On this episode of the Autumn Windbags, the evidence is starting to add up. Is Josh McDaniels losing the Raiders locker room? And in Raiders news, Jonathan Abram has been cut. He's now going to be a Packer. And this Raiders defense is even worse than we originally thought. And we love you subscribe, rate, and comment on whatever platform you're listening on. All right, here we go. I got a dream of winning a Super Bowl. I got a dream of being in a Pro Bowl. I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm in the, the nightmares. There it is! Caught! Touchdown! Raiders! You're listening to the Autumn Windbags, an audio attack from the Silver and Black. Here are your windbags, RJ Clifford and Juan Soto. Yeah, it is another episode of the Autumn Windbags. RJ Clifford, Juan Soto, let's have some fun today. Another away game. For old Urge Clifford over here. I'm in Madison Square Garden. Not in Madison Square Garden. The fights are at Madison Square Garden. I'm here in Times Square. I'm the I go to New York two or three times a year for work, and I'm always the biggest tourist. I never leave Times Square. I eat at the same places. I just get like random fast food and the same bars. Never do anything interesting. Full tourist mode every time. You don't see the chicks from uh, Sex and City or what? I go on the Sex in the City tour, obviously. Like I said, full tourist mode. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm so tourist mode, I'm using the hotel room Holy Bible and Book of Mormon as my mic stand. So yeah, Whatever works, man. It's, it's right? meant to uplift you. It does. It's uplifting my mic. Uh, it's like the word of God is coming out of my mouth because it's being – it's gospel, uh, if you will. I don't know. Basically, like, the best case scenario, what it does is – it like forgives me of my sins for the things that I say before I say it. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like it a, works that way. It's like a condom for my words. Mm. Like I can, I can fuck this podcast with dirty, no. dirty words and dirty no. jokes, but mm. I have, I have a layer of protection over it. That's ribbed for your pleasure. Soto. I think, I think that explanation is as shabby as that beard that you're growing. You mean robust and sexual? It's just the lighting. That's why it doesn't look as good. It's just the lighting that makes it. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Super patchy. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. You were an American Indian, an indigenous, <laughs> indigenous tribes person. <laughs> All right. Question of the day, and we will post the question down in the comment section, pin at the top. Curious what you guys think. <laughs> What's your go-to beverage after a Raiders loss? The Raiders give up yet another 17-point lead. It's yet another season wasted over the last two decades of futility. We know you're drinkers out there, and we know you're depression drinkers out there, just like Soto and I. So what is your go-to drink after Raiders' loss to drown the pain away? You want to go first, Soto? My brother, uh, for my birthday... He got me a bottle of mezcal. He got me like the like the salt and the, which is like the ground up worms and everything. He got mm -hmm. me the whole thing. Very Raiders. And uh, man, a couple shots of that you see in the future. Well, it's good because like just I feel like mezcals and tequilas just make you angry, and so like you're already angry and pissed. So it's like all right, let's just fire it up, like crank it up a notch. You know what I mean? Just throw a little something on the fire. Yeah, exactly. Just gasoline on the flames. Uh, I, am old school. Um, I just go like a, like a whiskey rocks. I'm drinking, um, horse soldier, 
You ever heard of horse soldier? Whore? Whore soldier? That's what I'm hearing. Horse? Well, you, that's because you hear what you want to hear. Horse soldier. Whores. A whore's soldier. Horse. Like, nay. Like secretariat. Soldier. I, I know a secretary that was also a whore. Not sexretariat. Three. The porn, <laughs> the, the porn videos that you rented. Horse soldier. Slash so, started. So I got this gift when I was the officiant for a wedding, our boy Dane's wedding. And I was, yep. he's like, all right, here's some, you know, some glasses. And I set up and horse soldier. It's like, oh, thanks. So I would sip, I, I saved it for kind of a special occasion. It sat there for months. And so uh, when the season was over last season, I was like, all right, season's over. Let's have some, right? It's like, okay, we went to the playoffs. Right this second, I'm disappointed, but. We did so much better than we thought. Four game win streak to close. Like made it to the playoffs for a second time. I'm like, okay, it's all 31 teams are disappointed at the end of the season. I feel like of those 31, we were one of the happier fan bases, right? Yeah. Uh, so I cracked that thing open. I was like, oh, this is delicious. I was like, wow, I'm fucked up. It's a hundred and nine proof whiskey. Yeah, that sounds about Dane. That's more brutal than wild turkey. A hundred. Whiskey's supposed to be the 80 proof that you just enjoy. Like you drink yeah, you just flavor. Sip on nice and low. Yeah. Yeah. Like you could take shots of it and you'll be fine. Or you sip it. Enjoy. This mm. is the one where it's like, you almost need to sift it through like a handkerchief before you get it into your mouth. Cause and otherwise you'll end up flammable. Blow, blow fire with that thing. You know, yeah. look, I know who gave it to you. And Dane, when he was bartending, he was famous pouring out maybe like half of the neck of your beer and filling it up with 151 yeah you're like all right here's your corona or whatever your butt cores light whatever and you're like all right sweet thing yeah that was him and that's if he was being nice normally he would just whip up the old-fashioned roofy colada oh god you know how many times I'm not, gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna talk about the establishment where he works because i don't want to get sued but i got <laughs> dosed so many times him and freaking t and tyler they got me so many times it's not cool. It's not funny, but it kind of is funny because it's like, mm. eh, he's not giving me anything stupid, like crazy, right? Yeah. He'll give me like a fucking Molly or ecstasy or something. Well, that's, and that's the key to like, that's fun drinking, right? That's well, you know, your buddies are roofing you. That's just all in good fun. It's the, it's the depression drinking that you need after a Raiders loss. Or oh, it's yeah. just something harsh, something that like doesn't taste good, but something you don't mix and you just, and you just uh. put it down. And you just like, just goes right to the neck, just comes right, just hits you, hits you flat. You don't have yeah. to work at it. You just, you just drink it, and right away you feel it. Yeah, you're not there for a good time. You're here for a short time, and you yeah. want to be passed out and not feel your feelings anymore. <laughs> yeah, I want to stop feeling this quickly. It's basically, it's what you would drink when you want to feel feelings at 2 a.m. with like your dog sitting on your back porch, just like looking into the darkness, oh, listening boy. to like sad Those country music. Those are yeah. rough nights. So that's the question of the day. What's your go-to drink after a Raiders lost? Pin the question down there in the comment section. Let us know what y'all think. All right. Well, we're bringing it back to the actual big show. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Raiders 20, Jaguars 27. Another 17-point lead. Blown like a hobo under, under a bridge by a cracker. All right, here we go. We're going to start with the good. 
like we always do. We did have some good. Good. Derek Carr's first half was very good. 16 of 21, 223 yards to two touchdowns. Not too shabby. And yet again, zero turnovers, not just by Derek Carr, which is a miracle by itself. The entire team, no mm -hmm. turnovers, no which turnovers. is like, I mean, let's like, we just, we just like sit back and just appreciate that for a little bit. Like how bad we were turnovers last season. We are tied for third in the league for least giveaways. That's amazing. Like, and I know it's like the season's going so bad and the offense is so sporadic. And we're going to get to the defense in a second. But like, so we're like, we're not looking for the good things. Like normally, like when things are going well, we're like, we jerk each other off by like good stats. Let's appreciate that for a second. Definitely. Third best I mean, in giveaways. Yeah. I mean, we're lost in takeaways, but whatever. No big deal. Yeah. Uh, also part of the good, our good friend, your friend, my friend, our friend, Devontae Adams, his first half, he had nine receptions for 146 yards and two touchdowns. Amazing. Uh, amazing. Luckily, that's amazing for an entire game because that's what it ended up being. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> it's the same number. Now, uh, these these next guys, the defense was not great, uh, but these guys actually, you know, put some work in. Uh, Blake Martinez, 11 tackles, 8 solo, and Denzel Perriman, 10 tackles, 6 solo. Uh, I think it was the first or second play of the game. Uh, Divine, uh, Divine Diablo, I think he, what is, he broke, broke his forearm or something like that. And uh, I saw it happen. I was like, oh, man, that's not good. I saw his helmet, the helmet hit the hit his forearm and he grabbed it right away and he went down to the ground I was like oh it's like a broken forearm and the way he was yeah. holding it I was like oh it's no good so yeah he did broke his forearm and 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 uh, he's on the IR so he'd be out for at least four weeks probably closer to six um uh, given the nature of the injury and guess what <laughs> that's it for the good a couple good tacklers and a good passing game for 30 minutes okay here we go can't have bad without good. Can't have good without bad. So here's the bad. Our third down offense, we were three for 12 in this game. It is a, an ongoing issue. Our, our third a third down offense is, is always under 50%. Uh, and we were, you know, like, what, 25% this game. Uh, also in the bad, our third down defense. Jacksonville was one of the worst third down converting teams in the league. And just like Houston was, Houston was like one of the worst as well. And Jacksonville was nine for 15. That's 60%. <laughs> Three out of five. Uh, if you want to get right on third down, you play the Raiders. Bag, bag, nabbit. Uh, moving on to the bad. Our rush defense. We gave up 168 rushing yards to Jacksonville. That was supposed and to be our defense's like one strength. Like we don't get sacks. We don't get takeaways. We make every single quarterback look like a prime Tom Brady. But, hey, at least we can stop the run. No, nope. nope. not so much. And our offensive line, I mean, we gave up two sacks, 10 hurries, and three quarterback hits. It's like on 36 dropbacks, that's a lot. That's a lot. Actually, no, hang on, 38 dropbacks because he got sacked twice. Mm -hmm. So 36 pass attempts and two sacks. Yeah, 10 hurries, I mean – that's that's a lot. We got we got to give our quarterback more time to throw. And they were actually pass blocking above average in the first half. Like I was like, oh wow, like you know, like we were cranking. It was like, oh good, cars got some time. You know, the few times that they did kind of give up a pressure, it was like 
it was an obvious one that Carr saw coming a mile away. He'd, you know, move around in the pocket, get the pass off or check down. And like that, all that was second half. Like all I, yeah. that bad was second half. I feel like if it's one guy coming, I think Carr can do a pretty good job of maneuvering out of the way. And But if it's like, it's, but we're getting two and three guys coming through uh, at the same time and no one's going to be able to get, get you know, it. And it's the that. like, and it's like the complete like turnstile ones. Like it'll be play action and Carr will literally turn around and boom, there's like a tackle in his face or, you know what I mean? Like he's like a, those are like, if it's like a delayed blitz or like guys, you know, you put on a decent block for two and a half seconds, Carr generally could wiggle around that. But yeah, when it's multiple guys getting through turnstile stuff. No, you can't do that. Okay. We saw the good, the bad. Now it's time for the ugly. Wait, it gets worse? Well, I'll let you be the judge. A little bit. Uh, Derek Carr's second half, unfortunately, wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It was ugly. Five for 15 for 36 whole yards and no touchdowns. Not good. Not bad. It was ugly. A complete breakdown by every single thing that touches the Raiders passing offense. Car started getting happy feet, started getting inaccurate. Line stopped blocking well. Devonte and Hunter were starting to drop passes. I, I didn't. We, we didn't talk about it in the post game show. Like I made a note of it, but because of how the game go, I, I forgot. Like there were two or three play designs by Josh McDaniels in the first half. I was like, dude, that's Josh McDaniels at his best. When it was the uh, they faked a dive, and then there was like two fly rushes, like like. Uh, and that was the the wide open Devonte Adams touchdown, like the mm-hmm. wide open one. I was like, dude, what a brilliant play design! Like you got Devonte Adams like running across against his safety, one little juke that safety falls over, all the defense flows the wrong way, everything's Cars, flowing one way. Like, and you get Devonte on the yeah, it was great. McDaniel, like that, that was the McDaniel's I thought we were getting. I thought it would be ten of those a game, just brilliant game planning, putting his putting his star receiver one on one getting his quarterback in the right position, protecting a shitty pass blocking O-line by making the defense flow one way so they don't so they're not like stopping the like that's what I thought we'd be getting out of Josh McDaniels each and every like that that's what I thought we were getting. And that was like a little tiny flash of it and then second half kaput. None of that. No, no good play calling. Well, I did see one good play call um uh, and we got um Amir Abdullah on a linebacker Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was behind him, and the, the throw was a little bit short, and ended up hitting the linebacker in the back. That would have been a touchdown. Well, that, that was that uh, was first a, half. That, that was first. That half was first too, half right? as well. Yeah, yeah. That, that would have been half. a tu- that would have been a touchdown. That was a great play call. Yep. The way uh, Abdullah stopped to block and then went through the line, and he was gone. Uh, he he blew right past that linebacker. Uh, we've talked about Devonte Adams, uh, one catch, in eight targets. For zero yards, mm-hmm. and of course no touchdowns, so one for eight in the second half. Uh, not good, not bad. It was ugly. Yeah, and it was, uh, and, and again, it was every phase of the passing game, like bad play calling, car getting inaccurate, Devonte struggling to get open, and when he was Drops. open, and yeah, and when he was open, and car had time, and car delivered accurately, he dropped it, he dropped or he it. couldn't get his feet in bounds. It's like. Again, it's seriously, that's what it takes. It takes all like five facets of the passing game to take a shit for Devontae Adams 
to have that happen because he's just so damn good. Like it literally takes everyone failing him and him failing himself. I mean, in that first touchdown catch, he he like snatched it away from the DB. Like it was going straight to the DB's hands, and he just like run at the very last second. Boom, yep, he snatched it away from him. it. Was a great catch. Uh, but man, I don't know what happened in the second half. Also on the ugly, our red zone defense. God damn it. They were uh, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars were three for four scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Our defense gives up a touchdown when the opposing offense has goal to go 100% of the time. If you get the ball within the 10, you're scoring a touchdown against our defense. 15 for 15. When I heard that, I like I, I shit myself a little bit, a little bit. And not only that, but it's like, and we haven't played a lot of great offenses. It's not like we've played like the Chiefs twice, the Bills twice, like the like, it, like we're like Jacksonville was able to do that. Houston was able to do that. Denver was able to do that. Like we're gonna get to the defense in more depth in a little bit, but like our defense is putting up atrocious numbers against mostly awful offenses. That's like, that's what's even more scary. Yeah, I mean, offense is down across the league. You can see the points per game is in, is is lower than it was and has been in a couple of seasons. And for scoring to be down and for us to be this bad in the red zone is very concerning. Uh, speaking of the defense. Please, let's talk more. I'm not depressed enough yet. You're right. Our defense for the third straight game had zero sacks. We only had five hurries. We had four quarterback hits, but Max Crosby, his last three games, zero sacks and two tackles for loss. We got to start calling it what it is. We talk, we, we hype him up. We say he's this, he's that. He's but He's been gone the last three games. And uh, we can talk all we want about, oh, he doesn't have somebody on the other side. Well, guess what? If you're that player that you're supposed to be, you're that, that burgeoning star and, and you're the highest paid player on the defense, you got to start making some shit happen. Because this is three games in a row with no sacks, and you have two tackles for loss the last these last three games. You need to step up, Max. And, uh, and that goes to show you like how bad this defense is going when even our best player is playing bad football. Terrible. Terrible. This is the worst stretch I've seen. Because usually he gets in there and gets tackled. I mean, dude, one tackle for loss, I think it was like on the first drive of the game. He tackled ETN like, for like a two-yard loss. And it was a sweet one, too. He was standing straight up. And ETN like ran into him. He just kind of like did like a grab him and grab throw him. Yeah. Just like a, like a fuck you tackle. It was, yeah, yeah. It was a good yeah, tackle. Yeah, but that was it. That's all that he did. It. He yeah. didn't do anything else. He's like, all right, I'm off. I did my Later. deal. I did my deal. Uh, again, the ugly. We're going to end with this. Our coaching staff is, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Uh, we're going to get to it a little bit later. And I understand. I understand coaching your scheme to find out who should play and who should be there and who shouldn't, right? Because I think one of the big things that both uh, McDaniels and, and actually all three, McDaniels, um, uh, Ziegler, and Patrick Graham talked about was smart players, right? Mm-hmm. Now I understand if you have players that maybe aren't that smart, and I, and I hate to say it that way, but maybe not football smart, because I think that was one of the one of the knocks that uh, um, Gunther had as well. Because he had a, a defense where you needed to be smarter and you need to be able to process a lot because he threw a lot at you, right? 
Uh, you need Mensa meeting doctorate smart yes, players to do yes. this. And I, not yeah, football I, I'm players. not defending Paul Gunther. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is that he had that same gripe that he needs players to be able to, you know, play whatever whatever he play and scheme that he throws out there at any given moment. Um, so I understand coaching your system, but you have to have some flexibility to to know who you have in the room and who you have on the field. Mm-hmm. So my dad, he had a mechanic shop, right? And there was this guy, he was like one of his minority partner's son. His name was Hana. And Hana was, um, God bless him, he was not a smart man. He was just not, he was just, he's a very nice person. We, we, we got along very well. We both loved the Dodgers. We both loved, I loved the Raiders. And he liked the Rams at the time because they were in LA at the time. And he he put a, a car on the jack, right, on the, on the lift. Here we and go. The car fell off the lift on the to his side, and we're just sitting there like Jesus Christ, like what the fuck? And then it was it wasn't Hana's dad. It was this other guy. It was this Korean guy named Sun who worked at the shop as well. And he goes to my dad and he's like, my dad's name was Jesse. He's, Jesse, why do you ask for more than God gave him? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm like 13 at the time working at my dad's shop. And I'm like, wow, I get it. It makes sense, right? Why do you put him in position to make mistakes when you know he's a fucking idiot, right? Mm-hmm. And the, our coaching staff needs to have that same mentality. Like, you you know what you have by now. And you need to be able to kind of adjust what you're doing. And uh, I, I understand that you need to run your system and, 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 and put in your stuff. And that's how you're your best. But you also have to focus on what's your best for your players and what they do best. On the flip side of that, the players' execution, not very good. I saw a lot of mistakes. Uh, I saw a, 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 one time Perryman and Blake Martinez ran into each other. I don't know how you fucking do that as two linebackers standing side by side. You don't see the same shit. Maybe that's why they got so. That's, maybe that's how they got so many tackles. They just tackle kept tackling other. each other. They each get. They each get one. You get a two for each that's time. How it works? You just get a half. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it was just it. it, it it's both. The, I think that the, the the coaching staff changed up, the, and we'll talk about this later. But changed up their strategy. Graham really hasn't gotten that sweet spot of how to get the best out of his players, while still keeping the integrity of his system. But also, I see the same thing as well in execution, both offensively and defensively. So that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Goodbye, Jacksonville versus Las Vegas. Hopefully, we never talk that. about you again. Uh, in personnel moves, after the trade deadline passed, we would say, okay, I guess this is, this is our team, more or less. Nope. We got rid of people we couldn't find a trading partner for, and not some off and on the scout team guy, not some undrafted free agent that was just hanging on by a thread. But first round safety, Jonathan Abram. He was cut, and then he was picked up by... The Packers. Packers claimed former Raiders safety Jonathan Abram off waivers per source. This is Tom Belisero reporting. So uh, we've known what Jonathan Abram's problems have been. Couldn't cover. Uh, he was a great thumper. He, you know, was was real good in the box. But he couldn't cover and he kept getting hurt. And so this was him getting out of there. So a couple things. Um First off is, I this is not the only sign, and this by itself isn't a major issue, 
But this is example 942 that we weren't getting out of Patrick Graham what we thought we were getting, and that was a defensive coordinator who had a system but was flexible enough to be able to take a mixed bag of players and be respectable, right? Now, the Raiders' defense has been so historically bad the last 10 years, 20 years, that you're not going to turn it around right away. Patrick Patrick Graham by himself was not going to turn this defense around and make it a top five defense, nor were we expecting him to. But we were hoping that this is a guy that can take a lot of spare parts, a mixed bag, be creative. The guy went to Harvard, right? Fucking Harvard grad. Harvard, I believe. Like, all right. Harvard. Harvard. And he can make something work. This is a small sign, not the biggest sign, but a small sign that maybe he can't do that if he couldn't find any role for Jonathan Abram, a guy with sizable upside in very specific parts of defense. That's like, you know what? He's so bad at what he's bad at. There's not even a place on this roster for him on one of the worst defensive rosters in football. It's not like the Raiders were overflowing with defensive backs. It's like, sorry, John, this room's too full of pro bowlers. We're going to have to let you go. It's like one of the worst DB rooms in football. And he couldn't even make that DB room. Yeah, well, you know, what I said after the uh, the, the Jacksonville game was, now's the time to take a look at what we have and what we can move forward with. Mm-hmm. I think because our secondary has got so many holes in it, we need to take a look at other players. And honestly, I just think he was taking up space. Mm-hmm. Um, he can't cover. He's, again, one of the worst cover safeties in the league. Um you know, maybe you can drop him down to be kind of in the box and stuff. But then you see players like Masterson and and uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember the other rookie linebacker's name that that got some snaps this week, and they're probably better in pass coverage than than Jonathan Abram is. Mm-hmm. So it's like, where are you going to put him if you're if you want to look at these young guys because maybe you want to see what what they have. You want to put them in game time situations, and, and you only have so many spots on your team, right? And I'm not going to put this all on Patrick Grant because yeah, you 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 can you can take players from like the even if they're mismatched from your for your scheme, right? And and if and if they're they're if they're okay, decent players, right? And, and they'll be able to give you something. But if they were bad players, even on a dummy down scheme like if Gus Bradley's scheme, if you're a bad player in that scheme, even you're just not going to have any chance. And that's why I said in the beginning of the year. I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they had cut Abram in training camp because he's that bad. And I know I studied Patrick Graham's defensive system. He does use a lot of three uh, safety sets. And the way he can make his system work is by disguising things. He disguising he disguises things by giving you mirror looks and, and you don't know what side's going to do what. Um, so both safeties have to be able to cover. Both safeties have to be able to come in the box and, and tackle. So if, if – one of your safeties is out there and you know that he can't do certain things. It kind of defeats the purpose of how he wants to disguise his, his defensive looks. Mm-hmm. And so I get it. Um, I'm, I'm disappointed too. I, I, I kind of, you know, I hope that I wish that he had worked out because he does do what he does much better than he did in the past. He's a much better tackler now. And, and he, he does, he is a physical presence out there, but God damn, is he awful on coverage? And he got, like every other defensive player on our team, he got worse. Like, cause you remember, you know, his very, his rookie year, he played one game and got hurt. No, you know, we had no clue what he was. Uh, second year, he was that great run, you know, thumper run stopper. 
not even bad in coverage because he's never in coverage. He's like, it's so blown out. Like he was never in position to make a mistake. It was just like, it was just so bad. No, well, se next, second year, he was bad on everything. He was missing tackles and he was bad in coverage. And then, then and then his, uh, his last year, last year, his third year, he got much he was, better. He got tackles. way better. So he was like, his tackling was much better and he was in position more often. Still wasn't good, like in the hip pocket to actually break the play, but at least we saw improvement. And that was like, you know me, like that's, one of the biggest things I look for, it's like, okay, what have you done in the past? But what's your trajectory? It's like, wow, are you, are you improving? Are you, are you long-term? Like, is this in next season, two seasons, three seasons, are you going to be a good contributor for us? He was on that trajectory. He was, he was, that doesn't mean he would be, he was going to ever be good in coverage, but he was definitely improving. And then this season, he got worse than everything. Like he used to be a really good blitzer. Now he like, when you see him blitzing, it's just like one tiny like juke, and he like overcommits. Yeah, and he misses. Yeah. He misses. Like he got worse at everything this year, and that's on Abram. But again, like I, that's on like that's that's on staff too. When when your entire defensive unit is playing worse individually this year than last season, I think Abram's Abram's I think like the the best example of that. Like he's like the the perfect like uh like sample of what mm. I think is going wrong with this defense. I just, I, I see that, and I, I and definitely it shows in, in in their in their production, but again, you have a player who was bad in a dummy down defense, mm -hmm. you know, and, and then you get a defense where you have to be able to think a little bit more on your feet and be able to process more information. It just wasn't a good mix. It wasn't a good mix for him. He wasn't long for this team, and honestly, they did him a favor uh, by by cutting him, and and uh, I mean. Good luck to you, whatever. Well, you know, Basachi probably put a good word with him in with the, with Green Bay. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, if he can fit a, a, a different role with them as, than he did with us, maybe not be for sure not be a starter, but, you know, be in certain packages and stuff like that, I'm sure. Uh, you know, he wants to stay in the league. He has to figure something out, right? But he was never going to be that with us, not with the type of system that, that Patrick Graham wants to run. I saw, I saw it before the year even started. So Jonathan Abram uh, complete, uh, completes, completes mm. the three-year sweep of all six of our last first-round draft picks. Remember, we had three in 2019, two in 2020, one in 2021. All six of those players will not be with this team. That's not entirely true. Josh Jacobs, may we may franchise. Cleveland Farrell may be cut next. Cleveland may be cut next. So in 2021, Alex Leatherwood, first rounder cut. 2022, Henry Ruggs the third. We know what happened there. 2020, uh, 2020, Damon Arnett. We know what happened there. Farrell, fifth year declined. Josh Jacobs, fifth year declined. Still playing, maybe franchise tag, but fifth year declined. And then 2019, Jonathan Abram cut. So we had six first round players in the last three seasons. None of them were able to stay with the team. And we we knew the Gruden Mayock drafting was atrocious, right? Like the the evidence had been there for a while, but this just kind of completes it. You know what I mean? It just kind of in a nice, clean little package with a pretty bow and a nice little ribbon delivered onto your doorstep. Yep. See, oh for six first rounders. Yeah, man. You wonder why our defense is so bad. You know, we don't why we lack so much talent. How you build your defense is, you know, you you get young guys in there and you, and you develop them mm -hmm. and uh, maybe they might not be the splashy superstars, but they're contributors. 
and I'm not saying you're going to hit on every single one, but, you know, Cleveland Farrell should be like the one outlier, like, oh, crap, like he's with the team still, but he's just not playing that much. Your other guy should be, you know, especially defensive guys. I, I, I don't see as many defensive guys as offensive guys wash out as quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God damn, man, this is, this is awful. We, we turned, we turned Amari Cooper and, and Khalil Mack into that. Mm-hmm. So let that sink in for a second. Yep. At the, again, and at the time, and I still stand by this at the time that Khalil Mack trade, I thought made sense for the value we got in the cap space we got, but we just didn't turn it into shit. Like we, we got, we got some good parts like we got good money we just invested it poorly right we invested in enron instead of in uh you know bitcoin seven years ago and it cost us yeah that's the look we're we're paying the price for all those bad drafts man Mm -hmm. we're paying the price for all that and there's only so there's only so many times you can kick the can down the road and 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 put band-aids on things until it just comes up where you're just like I don't have enough money to fill all these holes. And uh, sounds like me at the strip club. You you always have money to fill the hole at the strip club. Uh, it's it sucks, man. It sucks. And I'm by no means giving anybody a free pass on our coaching staff. I think they've done a poor job so far. Mm-hmm. But goddamn, do we have a lot of deficiencies on this roster? And that, that's a big part of it. So moving forward, you remember last season. We had arguably the best locker room in football, um, a team that overcame as much diversity as any football team in any season in the history of the NFL with, you know, Gruden, Ruggs, everything that happened, right? We've been through it a million times. And we overcame it all for whatever reason mm-hmm. and turned it into a season to be proud of. Four-game win streak to close out the regular season, playoff berth, you know, one bad ref's call, one bad play call, one bad pass away from beating the AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals, right? So we thought, okay, great. Uh, Josh McDaniels is coming over. Historically, his deficiencies has been that he doesn't, he's not like quite the leader of men that some co- like some coaches have certain strengths. Some coaches are just like football dumbasses, but they're just leaders of men and like people just love them and follow them and that's how they're successful. Some coaches aren't but they're super geniuses with the X's and O's and mm-hmm. with the roster and with drafting. And that's how they're successful. Right? So we thought, Oh, Josh McDaniels on paper, isn't the leader of men, but we have an amazing locker room where maybe he doesn't need it. Right? Like this is, this is such a good locker room. It's overcame so much. Um, this could, this should be a good marriage. It hasn't panned out at all, but, on paper, we're like, oh, this this could be this this could work. This is the kind of team that Josh McDaniels doesn't have to be a super raw raw, everyone loves me, super personal guy. He can just be a great football mind. Let the locker room carry it, right? That may not be the case. So I can't remember at all this season any of our players specifically pointing to a coach, coaching staff, GM, or anybody specifically. It's always been, we need to do better. We just got to work harder as an entire unit. Just kind of generics, right? Devontae Adams, and I believe it was the exact, like right after the, the, the Jaguars game, I think the post-fight press. I don't think it was a later one. I think it was the post, post-game presser. 
He said, I don't understand why we stopped throwing the ball after the first half with how much success we had and started forcing run plays. I'm paraphrasing. But he that's the first time I saw a player specifically point to a coach and say, I don't like his decision. I am unhappy with what this coach said, did, whatever, right? So uh, Josh McDaniels responded, and he said, when asked about this, he said, Devontae didn't. I know what he meant when he said that, and I don't take any of those things personally. The reality is we have opportunities. we got to come through with them, and I have to do a good job of trying to make sure that we continue to try to present opportunities for our team. He also said, it is what it is, but you end up throwing it really well in the first half and producing a lot of yards and points with very little success in the running game. I've looked at it many times because they called a lot of different games. Is that a sustainable model to keep you playing when you're going to throw it for 450 yards and not run for any? It's a tough thing to think you're going to be able to do it that way. So, not so much what he said, because I think they're both they're both speaking in such generalities. They're both right. Like Devontae's like, we were doing something and it was working. Like, why did we stop? And McDaniels is, well, we can't throw the ball 60 times a game. We got to mix in some run. So, like, okay, they're both right. How concerned are you, Soto, that this is an inkling or a seedling or a sign or a glimpse out of Devontae that Josh McDaniels is losing this locker room? I, I'm very concerned. I am very concerned. Um, you have a player like, look, let's just call it what it is. Derek Carr is one of the leaders of this team. He's not known as a winning player, right? He, he's, he, he just, just, I'm not trying to shit on the guy, but he's not known as a winning player. You got Devontae Adams, on the other hand. That guy is known as a winning player. He's been on teams that have won. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been in multiple championship games before, multiple all-time All-Pro. I don't really look at Pro Bowls because – Everyone and their mom could be a fucking pro bowler. But all pro, there's not a lot. When he starts questioning the coach, people are going to start questioning and following that too. Mm-hmm. Maybe there are things like they're good soldiers. It's a good locker room, right? They'll say those things within themselves like, man, I don't know why we, we did this, but you know what? We're going to keep pushing forward and just keep cranking, right? Then you got Devonta Adams coming in here saying, look, I've won shit. I know what the fuck I'm talking about. And that there is bullshit. We need to be doing better than that. And these are the conversations that need to be had. They need to be had. And the, this is the turning point right now for Josh McDaniels. Because if he could take this input from the team and look at what's happening on the field and take his part. Now, I'm not going to say that it's all his fault. Because ultimately, we threw the ball 15 times in the second half. It wasn't like we didn't throw the ball. It was less than we did in the first half. He got eight targets in the second half. Yeah, and Devontae got eight targets. So you do have to – he dropped two balls, and also, you know, a lot of those were not accurate. We, we, we all agree on that. So it wasn't like the game plan wasn't the same as it was in the first half. They still threw to him. They still targeted him quite a bit. Now, you still have to have that connection with the coach and player. You have to be on the same page, even if you don't agree. Mm-hmm. And when you start disagreeing, especially disagreeing publicly, that could be a problem. This is why I feel if Josh McDaniels wants to continue to be the coach of this team, how it's constructed as far as the main players on this team for a long term, 
he has to relinquish play calling. Very few head coaches out there can do head coach and. I did not see this coming, Soto. Head coach and GM. Head coach and offensive coordinator play caller. Head coach and defensive coordinator play caller. Very few coaches can do that. And you see how Belichick is doing without Tom Brady being the defensive coordinator, basically, and the GM. It's hard to do a bunch of different things and be the head coach. If you put Lombardi as your offensive coordinator, right, you're saying, I feel comfortable in in an emergency. If I'm sick, if I get hit on the sidelines, if I have an emergency, I can't be there, if I get suspended for whatever reason, this is my offensive coordinator. He can call plays in my absence. Or else you wouldn't have put him there, right? I don't think he should call plays anymore, man. I really don't. I think this is too much for him. I think that he needs to focus on being the head coach. I think he could be very involved in the play, in the in the, in the game planning, and he can be very involved as far as kind of uh, suggestion-wise with, with what plays and, and, and the type of things that he wants to do in different uh, drives coming up. But if he wants to be successful being our head coach, he can't call plays anymore. I I completely disagree um, for this reason. I, I don't think him relinquishing play calling is going to automatically make him a better head coach. I don't think he's spending so much time with his nose in a book that he's forgetting to be a great leader. I think that's just not in him. I don't think like I don't think more time is what's going to all of a sudden turn him into Pete Carroll, where guys just like love him and want to go for him. And I, I use Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll as, as an example, because there's certain head coaches that are kind of like CEOs, right? Like they're not the defensive genius, the offensive genius. They're just kind of like a leader of men and organized and know how to make it all work together, know how to run a practice. Like those, those kind of guys, like the guys, like, like just like great men who could be CEOs of a Fortune 500 company, uh, director of a movie shoot, or head football coach, right? Guys are just wired for leadership and leading men. That's not McDaniels. It's just not wired that way. And as you take away the one thing he was brought on to be, an offensive X's and O's guru, then you've just got a super overpriced clipboard holder at that point. I mean, I think that you're diminishing the game planning. Uh, He still can do that, like I said. He can still work on the game plan. And he can, you know, he can call certain plays here and there to the offensive coordinator during the game. Like, hey, we should run this. Mm. And, you know, at certain times. But if he's not focusing on the things that he's not good at, he's really not going to get better at them. His, his attention is, is getting pulled away from what he needs to be doing and, and what he needs to be better at, which is leading this team. And I don't know, man. It's, he, he's already shown us that he's not the best head coach. And it's, it's harder to be a head coach when you're also doing slash something else. And maybe maybe that's me saying that he's not going to be our head coach for very much longer. Maybe he'll get two years and that's it, depending mm-hmm. on how we do, because he won't relinquish play calling duties. But to say that he needs to get better at something, but let's let's distract him by doing something else instead of what he needs to be better at, I don't think that's the great play either. I just don't think time is what's holding him back. Like 
and uh and like schematically again like on paper that's what it's supposed to be good at right so you're like you're literally taking away the reason he got hired like mark davis didn't hire him to be the a ceo head coach they hired him like all right let's let's be the head coach, but bring in your offensive genius, right? Like what you did with the Patriots, like you did what you did with Tom Brady, what you did when you didn't have Tom Brady, what you did with Garoppolo, what you did with Jones, like whoever you got, you were able to like wrangle together something up. So now you've got some good weapons, uh, you know, uh, an established quarterback. This thing, this thing should take off, right? And he's, it's not happening. He's not doing it. So it's like, if you can't do the number one reason I hired you, why would I have you do this? this backup gig that's never been your strength. Like, I mean, that would be, if he did that, I would say like, all right, he's fired in like three games. If he's like, I relinquish play calling duties. And he actually did right. Not just on, not just on paper, like just saying he was going to, but like, really he's on the headset and calling the plays. But if he really did relinquish play calling, I mean, I think he's gone in three days or three games. Like this just, it's what, that's what he was there to do. It's like, it's like, all right, Derek Carr, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna have Jared Stidham play quarterback, and we're gonna have you play uh, tailback. <laughs> it's like it's not what he does. Like it's not why you're here. It's not what you're paid to do. It's he's not gonna be here much longer then. And the other part about this too, about of just like like losing the locker room. Those locker rooms are tight, right? Like players don't say shit unless you know it's the mafia, right? Like they know. They've, they've all been in the media spotlight long enough where they know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like if you're the, if you're in the NFL, if you're a starting NFL player, you were the best kid on your pop Warner team. You're the best kid in high school. You're the best kid in college. You've said your dumb stuff. You've tweeted your dumb stuff. You've learned your lesson. You've learned to keep your mouth shut. Right? Like that's why the guys like the, like the Antonio Browns of the world are like the dumbest motherfuckers ever who like still talk after going, they never learned their lesson after 20 years of being in the spotlight. It's like, all right. God, you're dumb, right? For Devontae Adams to come out and point the finger explicitly, even though he's an emotional guy, right? So I'm push a, push a cameraman, right? Like Devontae's sparking. Allegedly. Allegedly, right? Still pending. But for Devontae to like come out, a smart guy, a really smart guy, a, an emotional guy, but a very smart guy to point the finger, that's just what's bubbled over. That's just... There's, there's way, way like a, like a glacier, right? Like you see just mm -hmm. like five foot, five feet of ice in the water. There's a hundred feet of ice beneath it. That's what every little scrap of complaining coming out of a locker room is. There's no way right that second on a whim. Devontae's the only one that's upset with Josh McDaniels. Zero percent chance. Oh, yeah. This is, this is something that bubbled over and we're fine. We're just finally catching a glimpse. We're seeing the fin of the great white shark. Mm -hmm. So with Josh McDaniels, um, we know what happened with the Denver Broncos and it's been like players have basically like said why, right? Like this is why he didn't succeed. He lost the, lo the locker room. He started off six and zero, and he still only made it 28 games before he got fired in Denver because he just lost the locker room. Wasn't a leader of men. Brandon Marshall, who was a wide receiver on that Denver Broncos team when Josh McDaniels was there, was on CBS's crew and they were talking about like coaches and leadership and players between like what the coats are going on, et cetera. And old Brandon Marshall bro, off. Hey, action. Some of these players are more qualified, qualified than some of these head coaches. Facts. Okay. 
Key attributes for a head coach, we're talking about leadership, we're talking about game day management, operations, we're talking about do you have the philosophy, X's and O's, all right? But the most critical one is leadership, because the opposite of it is Josh McDaniels. You have everything, but you don't have leadership, and now you're sitting on a 30 and 20-something record, and you can't lead men. You wonder why you have Derek Carr, you wonder why you have all these other guys, and you can't beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. So for me, some of these... The opposite of leadership is Josh McDaniels. Like you saw Julian Edelman's eyes, like just, <laughs> like just shoot up. Like you saw the whites of his eyes. Yep. This is a guy who played for Josh McDaniels and said the opposite of leadership is Josh McDaniels. Um, I wonder if Mark Davis wishes he gave Brandon Marshall a call before he hired Josh McDaniels. Uh, can it be? Can it? Can he be that? Is there sour grapes potentially out of Marshall or? Or is he really a guy that's just like been in football his entire life, knows offensive football inside and out, but just doesn't get the leadership role to the point where like you could, we all have coworkers and bosses. You're like, oh man, I wish my boss were better at this, but it's like, okay, it's just not what he's about. Or, oh man, I wish, you know, my boss is just, he's good at a lot of things, but he's not good at that. Brandon Marshall is pissed to the, like now, like a, over a decade later pissed that Josh McDaniels is a bad leader. Yeah, so the the thing that we're running into, and I'm not saying that he's not right, mm -hmm. is that that was a 32-year-old Josh McDaniels that he's talking about. Mm -hmm. He's not talking about the Josh McDaniels now. Now, I'm not trying to say that Josh McDaniels is a completely different person than he was back then. There are going to be strong parts of his character that are still there. Um, there That's, is room that, for that was that was my cautious optimism was okay he's he's saying the right things he's had so much time a smart guy like him should learn his lesson by now yeah that we're, was, uh, we're and, hope. and this is this is where it's going to come out after you're publicly called out by one of the leaders of your team who is not just one of the guys that's uh, you know used to losing with the raiders but a winner uh where he's been before so it's not like he doesn't know what he's talking about right mm -hmm. Now, now we're going to get to see it. Now we're going to get to see how Josh McDaniels reacts to what happened. Is he going to is he going to internalize this stuff? Is he going to sit there and be like, oh, nope, this is what I got to do. I know this works. It's worked before. Well, mm -hmm. guess what, Josh McDaniels? You don't have a Bill Belichick defense to cover your ass when you start taking your foot off the gas. You know what I'm saying? You don't, like, you don't, you don't have a Bill Belichick umbrella of efficiency that you can always lean on, right? Like Bill Belichick can say trust me trust the you may not get it but trust me trust the process look at all my super bowl rings right he can do that joshua daniels can't he has to win you over first and then get the success and then you can lean on the success to win people over right it's like a chicken and the egg thing right you need to win to win players over you need to win but to win you need to win players over and he's he's starting from scratch but he's treating it like I'm Belichick. Just trust the process because I have all these Super Bowl wins. It's like you don't. Yeah, and that's and that's the and that's the part that he needs to. I mean, for his sake, he needs to learn quickly. Is look, none of the things that I've done in the past, none of my resume is going to help us now. Mm -hmm. I got to get these guys to buy into what I'm saying to do with this team, and the only way they're going to do that is by winning. Literally, what, two, three shows ago, 
we did a whole segment on just like the context for how bad this defense is playing. Mm-hmm. It only took a couple of games for it to get worse. Soto Raiders rank in the NFL last in sacks per game last in takeaways per game last in passer rating allowed second to last in points per drive allowed. They give up 15 of 15 in gold to go on defense. We thought the Paul Gunther years was rock bottom for this defense. This by several metrics is worse than the Paul Gunther years. We got to stop hiring coaches with the initials PG because Patrick Graham and Paul Gunther have dragged a traditionally bad defense. It's been bad and making it embarrassingly terrible. This this is unacceptable. Look, man, finally, finally, after this whole entire season of being a shitty defense and giving up leads and not being able to stop people and being terrible on third downs, being terrible in the red zone, finally today, I believe it was that a defensive player stuck stuck up for Patrick Graham. Deron, Deron Harmon said in an interview that every player on the defense still believes in Patrick Graham and that they need to execute better. They need to execute what they're being taught better. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, like I talked about earlier, if you're just not executing the scheme and it's, it's this many players on the team not doing it, maybe the coach is asking you to do too much or asking you to do things that you can't do. So like I said, you know, why you ask for more than God gave them, right? Well, then you have to maybe scale down what you're looking to do and not so much to where it becomes easier to game plan against, but you got to find that happy medium somewhere. And I don't think he's doing it at all. I think he's just saying moving straight forward, going full steam ahead with what his scheme and what he wants to do, regardless of the players. And and I can, and there's, there's part of me that says, okay, I get it. Let's give these guys a crash course to learn this defense, right? Like part, part of me understands that. But this coaching staff isn't going to last long enough for that to happen if this defense keeps playing this awful, right? Like, Because the, the offense sputtering, not as good as it should be, but still a better-than-average offense. Like, it's not what it should be with how much money we're spending, but it's still in, you know, top 15, sometimes top 10 in a lot of categories. The defense is bottom, bottom rung in most of the important categories. And what's even scarier is we've played mostly bad offenses. Jaguars, awful offense. Texans, awful offense. Broncos, awful offense. Cardinals, Titans, Saints, not good, below average offenses. And still, this defense is bottom rung. Like, we've only played the Chiefs once. It's not like we're playing, you know, the the Bills and, like, a prime Rams team and, like, you know, these amazing offenses like we're playing mostly bad sometimes awful offenses and still and still our defense is getting storched yeah i said storched that's torched and storched all put together i was trying to follow you on that one i was like uh. starched and torched that's storched for you so here's the question 
What's step one to riding this ship? What, the defense or the entire thing? Let's focus on defense for now because it's at the bottom of the shitter. Um, right now, you have to identify players. Like I said, you have to identify the players that you can't move forward with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, I've already identified a few. Uh, it's 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 not a, it's not a, a a slow process, man. Mm-hmm. When I mean, like I like I said before, like we're 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 act we're acting like this defense was a great defense, even under a very simple game plan. They weren't. They were still bad, not this bad, but they were still really bad. Uh, I think they were what twenty sixth last year. And, and again, that that's what scares me the most is it's worse than it was last season when on paper it should be better right Chandler Jones was brought on he was supposed to help all our like rookies that were that had a really good rookie season last season on paper that's the biggest jump for most players from rookie year to second year that's supposed to be when they make their biggest jump none of that's happening even Max Crosby has been quiet the last few games and playing some of his worst football like that's what's more scary you're right it's not a good personnel defense hasn't been for 20 years None of us were planning or hope, you know, expecting them to be a top. Well, 10 also, defense. also the personal that's there doesn't fit to what Patrick Graham wants to do, and that's the double whammy. It's like not only are these players not great, but they're also in a bad scheme, you know. And uh, some of the players that they brought in, Rocky Scene's played well. Averitt mm-hmm. has not played well. Uh, Hobbs has been gone. Duran Harmon's played well, uh, but you know. Who else is who else can you talk look at in that defense who's you know in the right type of scheme? Like there really isn't a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys who were there uh that were here here last year, but again, they were asked to do different things, they were playing a different defense. And even then, when they were they were asked to do the things that they were more capable of doing, even then they weren't that good at it. And that and that would carry a lot of weight if we were like the 24th worst defense. You'd be like, all right, you know. He's working Again, you're he's asking them to do better at things that they're not good at. This person, this isn't the worst personnel defensive wise in football. It's not. It's not the worst in football. It, it, it but it's playing like the worst in football. There's two ways to look at that. Is it the worst talent wise, or is it the worst fit wise? I still, I still can't buy that. Patrick Graham can't adjust. They can't adjust to get not be the worst team in football, not, not the worst defense in football. That's what I, I, I refused to like give I know, him that pass. I get it. I, I, I listened to, I listened to his, to his press conference and he addressed that directly. And he said, um, there is an element of having to simplify your defense, but you can't simplify it enough to where it becomes too easy and the offense can exploit you. And there's, like I said, he, he hasn't found that happy medium yet because it is difficult because there's a lot of different pieces. And then you have pieces that you end up counting on that are not there anymore for a few weeks or a month or haven't been there for, I don't know how long Hobbs been out. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy, man, especially when you don't have the right players for your scheme and you're trying to patch shit up and it's just not good all, all the way around. It's just not good. The coaching hasn't been good. The the player fit hasn't been good. The execution hasn't been good. It just hasn't been good whatsoever. Well, luckily for the Raiders, uh, they're getting literally the worst offense in football. Don't in say that. Those don't disparage. You you keep doing that, and I keep telling you to stop doing that because I told you before. 
There is no weak schedule for us. We are the weak part of people's schedule. Okay. Well, this is my point. Something's got to give. You've got the worst defense in football against the worst offense in football. This is this is the real test. Like if if Indy is able to put up like 28 on us. (laughs) Bro, you said Davis Mills was trash. He threw for like three bills and two touchdowns, right? That's how bad you said that. That they just, and then you said New Orleans it has nobody, and they got fucking Andy fucking Dalton who fucking just lit our tits up. And you're like, oh yeah, Raiders. the Jacksonville Jaguars have been doing terrible. Oh my god, and they fucking whooped our ass. I'm like, they're all, they are all, they are all exactly as bad as I've said, because oh, our defense is as it. as bad as I've said. So now it's, it's finally rock bottom, right? We're finally at literally the Colts have the lowest points per game. Of any team in the NFL, it's like 17 points per game, and they have a, a, a head coach who was chilling in a freaking studio five days ago. They didn't have a single play caller on their coaching staff, like someone who's offensive actually play caller, yeah. offensive player who's actually called an offensive play on their entire staff. Look, man, there's a lot of shit going on in Indianapolis right now. You got two, you got John Fox and Gus Bradley, who are you know long tenured offensive or defensive coordinators and head coaches in this league. Mm-hmm. Uh, who were passed over for this job, and I don't think they're they're very happy about that. Uh, so you got there's a lot of shit going down on in, 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 behind those doors. And if we lose to these fucking guys, I don't know, man. I, I just can't see us losing to these guys. They have too much turmoil right now. Ready to do some what up windbags? Sure, why not? Fuck it, we're here, right? Yeah, might as well. Koji, new drinking game idea. Take a shot anytime the word quarterback is brought up unprompted or unrelated to the conversation. I can't wait until the draft and we have a top 10 to 15 pick and Ziegler takes a defensive tackle or guard. Um, I don't think my liver can handle that drinking game. Maybe we'll play that drinking game like the very last game of the season. We'll have like IV bags close by, maybe an ambulance on call. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When did I bring up the quarterback this, this game, this episode? I didn't bring up freaking car this episode no because i think you saw the what up win bags and you're like oh i wonder if rj actually i do, you know for a fact i do not read the what up win bags ahead of time i you never have, you, do you have before no when you point you something out when you point something out yeah i will okay. yeah well, good. you're uh you're growing you're growing as a man and a broadcaster and i'm proud of you uh john novello He's already lost the locker room as evidence of the players not playing for him or just can't play using his system. Is are the are the players not playing hard enough? Like is that part of the equation? Like they're not playing for him? Is it an is it a lack of effort on their part? You know what? It's 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 hard to put your finger on, but it's so tough, dude. It's so tough to find out like what the what the fuck is like this giant thing that's missing. This intangible the thing giant is, fucking is, thing. Look, the thing is, is when you're not confident in your coach, when you're not confident in your leader, when you have doubts, mm-hmm. your hundred percent is never a hundred percent. Yeah, because there's always that little bit of doubt, right? And you, you you think that you're giving everything right. You're pushing as you think you're pushing as hard as you can, 
that's like like when you when you do a a, a strength and conditioning workout on your own. Mm -hmm. I freaking push myself today, man. I'm really tired. Shit. And then the next time you do it, and the coach is actually there, and you're freaking dying afterwards. You're like, fuck, that was a lot harder than it was a couple days ago. Yeah. You don't have that extra, uh, that extra push, that extra drive that a coach or a teammate or a position coach or something like that can get out of you. And if he's lost that already with these guys, uh, you can get it back. But you have to get it back with honesty. And you have to get it back with action. Because you, you can't go out there and be like, man, I kind of fucked this up. You know, and but and but then be preaching execution. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. was ex execution a part of it? Sure, it was, but that's not for you to say. Yeah, that's for them to say. You're to say, oh man, I fuck, I should have done this better. We should take a look at this better. They because the thing that really upset me during the Patrick Graham interview was, yeah, they did a couple things different against us, and uh, we just weren't able to adjust. That's your fucking job, dickhead. Your fucking job is to adjust. Not only is it to adjust to what you're seeing, but to plan ahead to what you think think they're going to do, and then according, uh, you know, plan accordingly. And I just think that's where they are. Like, oh shit, we fucked that one up. We'll get better. We'll get them next time. It's like that's the mentality. And the same thing I'm hearing from Josh Daniels too. It's like, yeah, they did something differently defensive against us, and you know, it kind of stopped us from what we wanted to do. Well, okay, great, genius. What the fuck are you going to do about it? Do the same thing you were doing before. It just it, it, it it's really well said. Really well said. I think what they need, uh, I think what they need, Soto, what Josh McDaniels needs is for like you to be like his advocate. Like, all right, Josh, you just were with the play calling, you do the X's and O's, you do the game plan. We'll have Soto tell you what to say, the pressers. You'll be like Paul Heyman to his Brock Lesnar. You'll be his advocate. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Very do, well said. Do not say the E word. Do not say the e-word got me don't say it i'm gonna have this freaking taser hooked up to your balls if i hear you even talk about your ex-wife or anything like anything with x you're getting shocked do not say that you put it all on yourself we do a better job of coaching they were doing this and that and be specific i think a lot of times when coaches are specific with things it kind of lets people know that they I am aware of the mistake that I made. It's this is not just bullshit. Soto, Paul Heyman, Josh McDaniels, Brock Lesnar. I look better in a suit than Paul Heyman does. He looks awful. Yeah, but you can't do the cul-de-sac ponytail like Paul Heyman. That I can is, if I if I if I grew the hair out. Yeah. Prove it. Prove it. Fuck no. I'm trying to get pussy, bro. I'm not trying to get <laughs> the fuck. You don't think you Paul know? Heyman gets pussy? Nope. I guarantee, guarantee you he, he does. does it. Guarantee you he does. I ain't trying to get the kind of pussy he gets. Tell you He's that too right charming now. and famous and, the, and has the cul-de-sac ponytail. He hasn't seen his dick in 10 years. Frankie says, Mark Davis is their worst problem. He is one spoiled trust baby who has never worked a day in his life. Actually, he's an embarrassment to the team and the NFL. When we say it all kind of goes to the top, it all kind of you know starts and ends at the top. We're, we generally are saying Josh McDaniels, but it re the real answer is Mark Davis. I mean, he's the one that said, let's move on from Rich Passaccia. Let's bring in Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler. Um, it all, the buck kind of stops with him. Did you see, uh, I, I didn't include it on this show, but I posted it on our YouTube. 
it was the, the most expensive tickets in the NFL, most expensive beer prices, most expensive hot dog, most expensive parking. Raiders were number one on all four categories. Tickets, parking, beer, hot dog. Two and six. Most expensive day at the football park in the NFL. That's, that's like playing, that's bro. such a kick in the dick. That's uh, oh my god. Like I don't mind paying for value, right? I don't mind paying for quality. I don't even mind you lying to me. Like I've shoved more dollar bills in strippers' g strings because they told me how awesome I was than I care to admit. But like I, I I'm in on it. Like yeah, it's like you know feel good. But you go and you spend eighty bucks on parking, three hundred bucks on tickets, and twelve dollar beers to watch a two and six team blow a seventeen point lead. lead. Again, again, and again. That yeah, that's rough. That's that tough. one hurts. Yeah, man. Mark Davis. Look, Mark Davis was forced to work, but he was forced to work as the owner's son. Like no one was ever really hard on him. You know, Al Davis came up, and and he swindled his partners fair and square. Okay, <laughs> he he came up. He mercilessly. Way. Tore, ripped down the pants and shoved it up the tailpipe of his two partners. Fair and square. Fair and All square. Right. He took the Raiders the way the Raiders should be taking, taken, like bounty off of a ship. He pillaged them. He pillaged the Raiders off his partners. Yeah. So you you can never the the owners of teams who are successful as like a second generation or or lineage of owners. They all did something before they went into the football operations. They were something outside. Were they able to be successful and see success outside? I don't know that that Mark Davis has been has had to do that. I think the majority of his work has been within the Raiders organization, and he it didn't matter whether he failed or succeeded because his dad was the owner, and now he's seeing that. You know, you, you, you can't rely on one person like you did. I, I think that's why he got Gruden in. He's like, all right, you fucking take care of it. Here, you take it. Yeah. And uh, it's... Well, the, good, the good thing is he's not, he's not a major tinkerer of an owner, right? It's like Jerry Jones, who's like in the draft room picking players. Look, right? man, like, Jerry Jones does a good job of picking, pick, picking fucking players. I'm not going to front on that. But my, Well, my point is it's it's rare for an owner to tinker and have it be successful, right? It's like it's very, very rare. And Mark Davis isn't that guy. But he only has to make a couple big decisions. And so far, they haven't been great. <laughs> right? Like, coach, like making John Gruden the GM, bad choice. So far, Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, bad choice. Yeah, not great. All right. Uh, this went long, so we'll do our breakdown of Colts Raiders later in the week, which, are all, again, it's always better because then we find out, you know, injury reports and any news breaking, especially the Colts where – that front office slash, going on over slash there? coaching room changes every 45 minutes. So we'll get something up to date about that. Uh, maybe a live show. Maybe a live YouTube show on Saturday if we can get our schedule this job. But until then, knock on wood if you're with me.